the wrath of God, what we have done to incur his wrath, and what he has done to satiate his wrath. It's all straight ahead on today's broadcast of Graceful Truth as we take a look at the Book of Romans with Pastor Steve Converse. Join us. Nobody likes to talk about the wrath of God, yet as we take a look at our lives and the sin and offense that we've brought before God, it's justifiable, His wrath. What isn't justifiable is the fact that He would forgive someone such as myself or you and what He has done to forgive us. Welcome to Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We're back in the book of Romans understanding His wrath, why it's needful, what's brought it about. Only when we really understand those concepts can we then understand what amazing grace really is. With more from Romans, here's Pastor Steve Converse. But we also see the purpose of God's revelation. The, pur- the purpose basically, why did God do all this? Why did God reveal himself in this way to us? Was to basically bring us to a point of decision. To bring us to a point of decision. See, God's desire is that every person bow before him in humble repentance and worship. Unfortunately, all won't do this, but that's his desire. The word of God says that he desires none to perish, but all should repent. So God has really given man every conceivable revelation of himself and has left those who refuse to get right with God without any excuses about their continued state of sin. There's nobody that's going to stand before God one day and say, well, I didn't know. (laughs) No, that's not going to happen. The universe, think of it as God's courtroom. He's proving conclusively that he exists, that those who refuse to believe in him basically have been faced with the evidence and are left without excuse for their behavior. That's what Paul is telling us here in Romans. The reasons for God's wrath. We'll be guilty as charged if we reject Christ. And they will face him one day at the great white throne. And they'll hear these charges read in clear terms. There's nobody going to be in hell that's going to go, I don't know why I'm here. (laughs) Even at that point, they'll be forced to bow before him and acknowledge him as Lord of all. But at that point, it'll be too late. It won't save them. They'll just be acknowledging who he really is. Man's rebellion towards sin, man's revelation of God. Verse 21 speaks of man's rejection of God. It says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. This basically speaks of man's rejection of the God that created him. Very reckless choice on their behalf. When man has been faced with the truth of God, He takes his stand against his very creator. 
and he moves in the, to the area of rejecting God altogether. The rejection of God is seen in two areas. It tells us here, first of all, they gave God no glory. They gave God no glory. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. They refused to magnify, they refused to exalt the very God that created him. Their primary goal in life was the glorification of their self. Whereas the chief goal in anyone's life should be the glorification of God. Men fail to honor God when they refuse to give him the place in their lives that he deserves. See, our God deserves the first place in our life because he created us. He gave his son for us. He desires us to walk with him in love and harmony, but we can't because of sin. And those who walk in unrighteousness and open rebellion toward the Lord give no place for him at all in their lives. And therefore, he's not glorified by them in their lives. And as a result, he's filled with wrath at the foolishness and sinfulness of their lives. They gave God no glory. It'd be like looking at somebody who made an incredible model of something. And you looked at it and it was just beautiful, and you couldn't believe that this somebody actually made this thing, whatever it might be. And you looked at the person who made it, said, "Big deal, that's nothing. What are you doing? You're not giving them any glory. You're not, you're not giving them any approval for what they did. And when sinful men look at the creation of God and they don't bow in humble adoration and say, wow, this is incredible what you've done. But no, they suppress the truth of God and they desire to make a God in their own image. They rob God of his glory. But there's a second way that man's, man rejects God and it says they gave God no gratitude. It says they did not honor him as God or what? Give thanks to him. <laughs> Two things. They gave God no, no glory, and they gave God no gratitude. They took all the things that he had given them to teach them about him, and they used it for their own selfish gain, without a single thought being given to the great creator. No gratitude. We live in a thankless society today talk to a lot of people, they think they're the, the way they are because, because of all themselves. They're hard work. They're this. They're that. All they do is glorify themselves. They don't want to give anyone else any glory and they definitely don't want to thank anybody for anything. It's a very, very reckless choice that people make. But it results in this kind of a condition because they rejected the Lord and His truth. They were given over to wretched lives. Wretched lives. Look at what the rest of this verse says about their lives. It says they became futile in their thinking. 
vain imaginations. In Mark chapter 8, Mark 8, 36 and 37, we know this verse. Beginning verse 34, Jesus is dealing with the crowd here and calling the crowd to him with his disciples. He said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospels will save it. Then he asks this question, verse 36. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Have you ever asked yourself that question? What does it profit if you could gain the whole world? I mean, we're not just talking about a bigger house or a better car or a bigger race. We're talking about the whole world. If you could gain the whole world, wouldn't it be worth it? Just to compromise a little bit? Think of all the people you could help with the whole world if it was yours. See, that's the thinking. That's, that's our kind of thinking. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we want to work hard and, 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 boy, we want to make sure that we provide for our families. All that's good. But pretty soon we find ourselves being a slave to our work. There's no time for ministry. There's no time for God in the, in the puzzle anywhere because we're just working so hard for that retirement and to provide for our family. And, and boy, that's an honorable thing. And, and all of a sudden, what's it become? It becomes an idol. You're doing something that, that is good, but it's really replacing what God desires for you to do. Fall into that trap very, very easily. Even... Those in ministry, sometimes the ministry becomes an idol. And you forget to which purpose you were truly called. We have to be careful, beloved. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world? Whatever your world is, if you could gain the whole world and forfeit your soul. Verse 37. For what can a man give in return for his soul? Their life is what we would call a hollow life. It's filled with nothing. Maybe lots of stuff. But when you boil it right down, there's nothing there. It's also a horrible life. Because it says they've basically turned their backs on God. It says they became futile in their thinking. And look at their foolish hearts were darkened. Their foolish hearts were darkened. What men seem not to understand is that the only alternative to light is what? Darkness. There's no halfway in between. As they move farther away from the light, where do you move? You move further into the darkness. That's why their life is a horrible life. It's, it's, it's hard to think of the possibility of anyone going to hell. But add to that hard thought, a life spent in this cruel world without a relationship with the loving Heavenly Father. What a horrible life. You don't even know your Creator. You don't even know your purpose in life. You aren't even able to thank the God who created you and gifted you in ways that He's gifted nobody else. You aren't even able to enjoy the opportunity to see God use you in his body to minister to others. Kind of like they were trapped in a dark dungeon. 
of their own making all their life. I mean, living there, thinking you're happy and, and whole, and the whole while the cancer of sin is destroying you from within. Then when it's too late to realize that all the while you could have had a relationship with God and then went to His heaven and spent eternity there with Him, then it's too late. What a horrible existence. I don't know about you, but I like waking up every morning knowing that God has created me for a purpose, for a plan. That he's gifted me in ways to, to, to serve him, whatever that may be. And that by his grace, he's saved my wretched soul from the sin that once held it captive. That gives you a little motivation to live a life that's honoring to him. It gives you a little motivation to fall to your knees in thankfulness to the God who saved you, realizing that you once walked in, those, in that sin that held you captive and a slave, and yet he freed you. Well, what's man's reaction to this in verse 22 and 23? It says in verse 22, Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They regress. <laughs> when a man turns on the Lord and closes his eyes to the truth of God, he really thinks he is wise. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25 to 31. Look at these verses with me. 1 Corinthians 25, 1, 25 to 31. It's talking here about... Christ, the wisdom and power of God, says in verse 25, 1 Corinthians 1, For the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For considering your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what? What is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, you are in Christ. You became to us Wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, what? Boast in the Lord. That's the only boasting we can do, beloved. Our wretched souls would be, be, be burning in hell today if it wasn't for the grace of God in our lives. In his gracious gift of salvation. Well, when man rebels, he reacts in, in this foolishness. And he just kind of closes his eyes and covers his ears. God says that while they think they're so smart, they're really nothing but, but fools. They have it all backwards. I mean, to the person who's outside of Christ, who's not saved, who's of the world, the whole idea of Christianity and being a Christian is the biggest foolish decision anybody could ever make. You miss out on all the pleasures of the world. You place your faith in a man who died 2,000 years ago. And then you're foolish enough to, to, to believe that one day he's going to come back. <laughs> See, 
But from God's perspective, the wisest decision any person ever makes is to place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather be perceived to be a fool today than to live a life of sin and prove that I'm a fool in the end. But he also reacts in false religion. This is just the way that they do it in verse 23. Not only did they claim to be wise, they became fools. But verse 23, it says, They exchanged the glory of God for the immortal the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, animals, and creepy things. See, when man says no to God, then he turns around and he, what's he do? He has to have something to worship, so he invents a God of his own. I mean, talk about foolishness. What the Lord is telling us is that man is a religious creature. There's something in us that that desires to have something to worship. And if he doesn't worship God, he'll, he'll manufacture a God that he desires to worship. And if that doesn't work, then he'll find another man to give his worship to. Or another God to give his worship to. And if that doesn't work, ultimately he'll set himself up as God and he'll worship himself. We see that today. That's what a man does when he's left to himself. You don't get better. You just get worse. You notice the downward spiral here in this verse. They exchange the glory of the immortal God. And then it says, For images resembling, first of all, mortal men, then birds, then animals, All the way down to the creepy little slimy critters that nobody likes. I mean, it's almost the opposite of what those who believe in evolution, (laughs) what they believe, says happens. He doesn't progress upward. He progresses downward in an endless spiral. Just gets out of control. And all of this tends to point to the simple fact that life without God is a life on a downward path. They may look happy on the outside. They may look like they got everything, you know, two cars in the garage, nice house, and happy little family. Without God, beloved, they're miserable. They just don't know it. Because maybe nobody's stopped to point it out to them why they should be miserable. Walking away from God doesn't prove that they're wise. It merely proves that they're foolish. Proves that you want your life to be a disaster and your eternity to be a failure. It's a a very sad place to be in, to be honest with you. And that's why we should be filled with compassion for those who are outside of Christ, not judgment. We shouldn't point our, down our spiritual noses at these people who are living, you know, no, no holds barred for the world every day. You have them in your job, at your work, in your school. People that are not honoring God and not living for God. So many times we just want to judge them. But we need to share the gospel with them because they're a slave to their own sinfulness. I mean, when you stop and look at the world and the situation we live in, if, 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 
if there is a God and he's holy and he's righteous, he definitely has plenty of reasons to be filled with anger and wrath. <laughs> so it shouldn't take us by surprise. I wonder this morning if there's areas in your own heart that maybe you're rebellious toward God. And maybe there's areas in your own life where you've never really given them fully over to the Lord. I don't know where your heart is this morning, but I do know that not everyone here is precisely in the center of God's will. There's always room for us to improve in one way or another. And I'd invite you as we close in a word of prayer to just bow your heart, bow your head before God and ask Lord to point that area out. Lord, what area in my life do I need to improve upon? What area do you want to maybe push me a little further in, Lord? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ. Maybe you've heard this over and over again. I pray that in the silence of your own heart right now, that you open your life to Christ, that you ask him to remove you from the wrath to come, to forgive you of your sin. Pray that you'll understand and accept the fact that he bore your sin on the cross and that he was hung on that cross until he died and then he was buried and on the third day he rose again. That takes faith. Only God can give you that faith. But if you pray a prayer from a sincere heart, a broken heart, a heart of desperate need, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Help me to understand my purpose in life. Help me to understand why you created me. Help me to understand the severity of my sin before you, a holy God. Help me to understand how Jesus came and paid a debt that he did not owe that I owed that I could never pay. Cry out to him this morning in prayer. He'll answer that prayer. He'll take the blinders off and maybe for the first time you'll see the God who created you and experience the joy and forgiveness and love that he offers. And then you'll be protected from his wrath, from his anger. Father, we ask that you would just bless our hearts as we uh, close this morning. Pray as Christians, Lord, that we would be reminded that, Lord, you created us with a purpose, with a desire to use us. Lord, we live in such a fallen world. It's easy to just kind of build four walls around us and, and operate daily in our little Christian world and don't want to get dirty from, stained from the, the non-Christians that we're around every day. Lord, I pray that you would break us out of that mold, that we would desire to go where these people are even because we know that's what you would do and that we would share our testimony share how God has saved us how God has cleansed us how he can change their lives pray that you would give us burdens in this area and Lord we thank you for our time this morning we pray that you would bless the remainder of our day thank you pray this in Jesus name Amen Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. 
and we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.